Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to NFN Radio News, home of no-holds-barred commentary about the issues of our times, plus great weekly interviews with fascinating people, some of them top experts in their field, others simply with interesting stories to tell. You'll never know who'll show up at NFN Radio News, the podcast brought to you by NotFakeNews.biz, the daily blog that leans just a little to the left. Now, here's your host, Bob Gaddy editor and publisher of Not Fake News. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the NFN Radio News Podcast. Today I'm with Kevin Hoffman, author of Growing Up Black in White, the story of a young man who by the time he turned two years old had survived an abortion, been given away by his mother, adopted by a family of another race, and woke up to a burning cross in his front yard. Kevin was born in Detroit in August 1967, two weeks after the riots that changed that city forever. It was out of these amazing circumstances that his life and purpose began. And it is out of these experiences that he tells his story. It's a story of struggle and joy, of pain and passion, and most of all, of hope. And now because of his own life experiences, Kevin works tirelessly to unite the races that share equal parts of his DNA. Kevin presently works with K through 12 school districts, universities and organizations in the area of diversity and inclusion. From such a unique world view, Kevin works to create a place where all can thrive. So we're thrilled to have Kevin with us today. Great to have you with us on uh, the NFN Radio News Podcast. I really appreciate it. It looks to me like you've got a real interesting story, and so we're going to tell our listeners all about it. Now, your life started out a little bit hectic, I guess you could say, (laughs) to the least. Uh, When your mom was pregnant with you, she asked her sister for money to have you aborted. (laughs) Yeah. Yet you're here. Um, I mean, damn, tell us about that. Yeah, so my mom was a white woman, a small white woman, like just over five feet tall, barely, you know, 100 pounds. Um, and she was married to a white guy. 
but had an affair with a, a co-worker. She worked at the Chevy stamping plant in Livonia, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. I was going to say, uh, there must have been somebody else in the picture. Because <laughs> you don't look like a white guy to me. <laughs> and so, she, yes, she had an affair with a black guy. A black guy. Oh, okay. Um, they both worked at the Chevy stamping plant in Livonia, Michigan. Um, and yeah, so she and her husband had had an, a vasectomy eight years prior to that. Mm. And so it was obvious that the child wasn't his. And so, yeah, so panicked. She ran to her sister who lived close by and, and basically asked for money for the abortion. And her sister gave it to her. Yeah. And my mother's intention was to leave, you know, Livonia, Michigan yeah. and travel an hour away to Flint, Michigan yeah. to have me aborted. And somewhere along the way, she chose to change her mind and go home and tell her white husband that she had had an affair with the black guy at work. Lucky for you. Yeah. And so his only caveat to that was, well, you have to put him up for adoption. So uh -huh. I was immediately adopted, put up for adoption. And at three months old, I was adopted by a white minister, his wife, and they have three biological children. I'm the youngest in that in our family. Oh, well, so you ended up in a really good family that I would guess. Yeah, good family, um, had no idea what they were about to get into. <laughs> uh, my father was a assistant pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Dearborn, Michigan. Okay. And uh, we lived in Dearborn, which is a very white suburb of Detroit. Uh, and yeah, when I was 11 months old, we woke up to a cross burning on our front yard. Oh, man, because because they had adopted a little black kid, is that why? Yeah, yeah. I, they had broken the seal in that neighborhood. So the neighborhood was a closed community. <laughs> broken they the seal. They didn't like people of color in there. <laughs> hey, well, so you know. Did, they responded. <laughs> you know, I broke the seal. You want to hear <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was starting out as a journalist, uh, I was the first white reporter ever hired by the Pittsburgh Courier, Black Paper in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very proud of that fact, actually. I, I didn't work for that for very long, but it was great experience. They had me covering crime and murders and trials and everything else. Oh. I was only like 19. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So geez so there was a how old, how old were you and there was a cross burning about 11 months old so oh and the other important part about my birth was yeah i was born two weeks after the riots in detroit uh -huh. in 67 all right so yeah just an interesting time to grow up this biracial child living with a white family you know in the detroit area i would say very interesting i was going to ask you um whether there were some key experiences from your youth from living in that environment that affects your life today well that did i don't remember it i was only 11 months old right but because of that incident and then the fact that the church that my father we all belong to but my father worked at uh, right they tried to fire him soon after i got there oh how christian yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that became a very contentious relationship between my father, 
the board and his boss, the head pastor. Ah. And eventually three years in, my parents decided, you know, this, this neighborhood is going to change us before we change it. And my father, we left and moved to Detroit. My father accepted a call to pastor a church in Detroit's Northwest side okay. where the parsonage or the home where we lived was in a black neighborhood. Okay. So I, from ever since I can remember, I was always around kids that looked like me. Uh-huh. And that was life-changing for me. Okay. I didn't have to, you know, wish I was white to match my family. I enjoyed the community that I was a part of. And man, that changed my life. I bet it did. Um, what about your, your parents? I mean, it was great for you, but was it difficult for them? My parents were pretty laid back and kind of went, you know, just went with the flow. Right. It was challenging right. for my brothers. I have two brothers. Right. And uh, yeah, so they were the minorities in that neighborhood and in the schools we went to. So did you have to like uh, defend them when they got picked out of stuff? No, I was so small. Oh. I couldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it was my one brother. Uh, they, I remember both of them being kind of terrorized by the black kids in the neighborhood. And it was simply because they were the minority. Right. So right. they were the easy, kind of the easy prey. Yeah. My older brother, I remember they, they tried to do that to him and he just turned around and it ended. It was done. What do you mean? He just My turned brother. around. What did he do? So they were chasing him. He just turned around oh. and said, what do you want? Oh. <laughs> that was it. That was it. He confronted him and it was it. Now, my other brother gave them everything they wanted. Uh -huh. He ran home crying and uh -huh. screaming and they just delighted in that. Uh -huh. So, yeah, he was picked up. Bullies will be bullies, right? Right. Oh, right. my goodness. Yeah. So, in, in some of the questions you fed me to ask you, <laughs> one of them was, you talk about finding your purpose. What do you believe your purpose in life is? So, why don't you tell me what that is? Yeah, I think it is. And it extends from that story that I told about my mother going to have the abortion. I mean, I was, yeah. I was an hour away from not talk, having this conversation with you. Yeah. And I don't take that lightly. And I think that's part of my purpose is to try and figure out how these different races that I'm made up of can get along. And so I spend a lot of time doing diversity and inclusion and diversity and belonging work today, hoping to try and figure this whole thing out. Well, you do a lot of work uh, in schools and universities, right? Right. Yeah, that's been, yeah, the biggest one in some organizations too. But yeah, it's been in a lot of schools just trying to, and the one tagline I always say is the, you know, the biggest challenge, especially in a school is how do you create this environment where the kid with the Black Lives Matter t-shirt and the kid with the Make America Great Again hat can coexist. And so that's the challenge is, and to me, it's simple. You just allow them all their own three feet. So you can believe, you can worship how you want, you can love who you want, all within your own three feet. And that's not gonna impact my three feet. And I think if we did a better job of that, we would do a better job of getting along. And the other thing I tell, organizations and schools is employees and students shouldn't be having these deep conversations if they're not in relationship with each other right it's it's just it's worthless to think that i who support black lives matter is gonna have some understanding 
or change the mind of someone who wears a Make America Great Again hat. Right. It's just not worth our time. We're, those are two very extremes. And especially if I'm not in relationship with you and I don't have anything to lose if I lose your friendship, right. it's not worth it. So don't do it. <laughs> well, they are extremes. I'm, and, you know, uh, I mean, well, when, when I first started my notfakenews.biz blog, it was because I was so ticked off at Trump and all this BS and yeah. claiming that everything was fake news and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, I decided, well, I got to say something about it. But I'm not converting any. There's no way to convert anybody. If you're a Trumper, you're a Trumper. Right. And it doesn't matter what it, it there's no logic no logic at all no no, no logic no and and I, they would say the same thing about right. you and me kevin right. you know they would yeah that you're not, say, well, you don't see things you don't see things as they really are right, right. yeah right. so those conversations right. are futile <laughs> yeah they are futile yeah then what's the what's the option i mean just keep quiet What's the option? The option is just because you're sitting next to someone who believes differently than you, it's not your job to convince them to believe as you believe. Right. And quite honestly, you're not gonna, if you're that extreme, you're never going to convince them. Right. So don't waste that time. Okay. Until you have a friendship with that person or are in relationship with that person, then you both have skin in the game. And then that's a worthwhile conversation. Mm -hmm. But until then, having that's why conversations on social media don't work. Because you're having conversations with people you will never see. They're not invested in you at all. So they just sit behind their computer at their keyboard and say horrible things to you with no repercussion. Those conversations are just worthless. They are worthless, but don't you think that conversation needs to take place in order, dialogue needs to take place in order to try to come to some as long as we have an interest in some kind of friendship or relationship uh -huh. but if we don't we're just going to sit here and yell at each other you're not going to convince me i'm not going to convince you right and there's nothing in it for me to even want to hear or listen to you right because i don't know you that's true so that's the big thing is until you get to know somebody on a personal level don't have these conversations well you know what I told you before we started recording about an incident that occurred uh, with me at a grocery store the other day when an African-American man turned and told the clerk he was going to pay for my groceries. And he said it was because he inconvenienced me and he was a nice guy. And I said, you didn't inconvenience me, man. You're just paying for your groceries. But he insisted that he paid for my groceries. And it turned out that we ended up having a great conversation and I had some stuff that I was able to give to him uh, and the conversation really was a beautiful one. Now, what if when he had turned to me, it wasn't me, it was a guy who had a red Trump hat in his back pocket, didn't have it on. So the guy didn't know. The African-American guy didn't know. Mm -hmm. Now, what would have happened in that case? Would, would that gesture by that African-American man 
to that trumper have made any difference? And I, I don't know. And so that's... I just wonder if, if, if we just tried a little bit, both sides. If, if both... That's, it's interesting. Like I was just asked to do a podcast on a conservative with a conservative podcast. Oh, yeah. And I'm mulling that over in my mind. Yeah. Because I want, I don't want to get suckered into a conversation and then it just become a yelling match. Right. Which, which unfortunately lately has been kind of how these things go. Right. So that's a great question. If that was a Trump, or would they have changed their mind? Would he have changed their mind or would they have seen, you know, people of color different? Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. And oftentimes as a person of color, I ask myself, do I want to put myself out there and risk kind of being not physically, but figuratively kind of slapped in the face from a response right. from what I said. Right. And I wonder about that. Right. And, and that's part of the, the issues you have in this country with races, especially as a person of color is, Man, you it plays so many mind games with you. You know, was that really a racial slight or am I being too sensitive? I mean, you have those, I have those thoughts a lot. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, and so, yeah, yeah and so there's find... days, honestly, there's days where I could be that gentleman that helped you out. But then there's other right. days I just do not have the energy because of what I've gone through you know, at the last right. store and how I was treated. Sure. And so yeah, it's sure. a hard question to answer. And, and it depends, quite honestly, it depends what day. <laughs> I just wonder, though, if, if, if we just all tried in some way to reach out, simple act, acts of kindness can go a long ways. And it doesn't really matter what your politics are. I, I totally agree. Unfortunately, this brand of politics now has convinced people that you don't need each other. That that's and the unfortunate thing of social media is we can all be siloed. We can all go on Facebook and find the groups we like and the groups that agree with us. And that's all we have to listen to. Or we can go and listen to MSNBC and that's all we have to listen to. And we think the world is one way until you come out of that bubble and realize, man, that's not it at all. And so- You know, you- you are so right with that. So, so yeah, it's it's tough where, yeah, I think both sides are convinced. I would rather not have the other side. So I don't need them. So I don't need to be in a relationship with them. And that makes it even more difficult. And so that's yeah, kind of my challenge when I go into schools yeah. and the way I, yeah. you know, present it to the school systems is if you really want to produce children who are going to be successful in this ever-changing world, you've got to show them both sides of the argument. You can't just show them one side. And that's the issue we're having with this critical race theory and education. Hey, we need to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we'll talk more with Kevin about critical race theory and education. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I wrote a book about how I grew up. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your book. And of course, I'm the hero in the book. So that's how our history has been set up in, in school system. The person who writes history gets to be the hero. And so unfortunately, you have history being told right. by predominantly white men. And so now everyone's freaking out. You're going to start teaching <laughs> us different about history. And I'm just asking people, man, just teach factual history. Yeah, that's right. This whole stuff about critical race theory and the... The Republicans don't even, I should say, the conservatives, they don't even know what it means. Most don't know. They just don't like it. They don't know why. They've been told not to like it. So it's interesting. That's, there's, when I go and speak, there are certain words or phrases I won't use because I know it will shut down a conversation. So I don't use white privilege. Like what? Like what? Critical race theory has now been added to that list. But if asked about it, my response is, just teach the truth and so this fantasy that we have that columbus came here and just happened to have found this beautiful land right and the indians just the natives just gave it over to you willingly right just is not true right that was a horrible way of taking over land yeah for sure yeah i have a friend who is an indian chief here in south carolina and man, he is hot on that on that topic. He just gets so livid over Columbus Day. Yeah, <laughs> he really if, does. If you step out of it and just use common sense, how else do people have people gone into lands and taken them over? Right. It's been very, very violently. Right. So why would that be any exception? Exactly. So that's all I'm saying is just yeah. teach the truth and teach more viewpoints the biggest thing i have on against race and racism is it, the assumption is we can only experience the world through one viewpoint and so if i say i went into that store the other day and i think i was treated wrong because i'm black right if you've never had that experience i will often get no you got that wrong that couldn't have possibly been what happened and my experience is dismissed and I'm just saying we need to do a better job of bringing in more experiences of different people and listening to those experiences. So all this tension between the cops and the and the minorities and minority community, especially African-Americans, Af- especially African-American males. Um, what needs to happen to lower the temperature and have people treated more fairly. I think I think what has to happen is you What do you think? The police departments have to understand that there's an issue there. Across the country there's an issue and has been an issue since, you know, right. the dawn of policing. That's one thing you have to understand is yeah. 
that yes, you are policing unequally. So there's been so much talk in the media lately. The response that I often get as a person of color when we go into this policing and the black community conversation, what gets thrown back at us is, well, you understand more black people are arrested. And that's only because you put more police in more black neighborhoods. So if you flood a black neighborhood with police, of course they're gonna have more arrests. That's like fishing in a stocked pond. You're gonna grab more fish. That's right. And so you have to understand that, that one, we need to open up the police departments and have them be very accountable for what they do. And so they have to, and then that's the other thing you get is, well, there's only a few bad cops. Right. Well, then there's not enough good cops because they're not saying anything. Right, right, right. How do you feel about the fact that the Republicans in the Senate are blocking this uh, police reform legislation? Yeah, I think logically that just doesn't make any sense. I think that's better for everybody. You know, they don't want to have, you know, the civil unrest, then why don't you address this system? That's been a problem forever. Like I was born two weeks after the riots in Detroit, which were a result of police brutality against two black families having a party. Okay. That happened 54 years ago. Right. And we're right. still dealing with that. Yeah. If we would just deal with this once and for all, we could then move forward. Right. And that means totally changing the way that's set up, understanding that, yes, there is bias, that unfortunately, the way our minds are set up, that, yes, we do have bias against people that don't look like us, and then addressing that. So what's the name of your book? It's called Growing Up Black in White. Tell me about it. And it's just the story of, you know, this little biracial kid growing up with this white family in a black city in a in a white world and how i kind of made my way through and trying to figure out who i was as this black kid and how i interpreted what was going on around me and the the beautiful thing about writing the memoir was i could talk about an incident that happened you know 40 some years ago but then i could use you know my 50 some year old mind to interpret what really was going on there racially. And I think one of the purposes of the book for me was to be able to tell a story about race where the average white person wouldn't put it down. I wanted them to hear what it was like, what my experience was like in this world as a person of color. And so I tell a lot of stories, there's a lot of jokes, um, a large part of the book is just coming of age stories about me and, you know, my best friend, this tall, skinny white kid and the, the mischief we got into growing up in Detroit. Okay. Where can people find your book? Uh, it's on Amazon. And we did, I did the audible version last year. Um, cool. The digital version is, is on Amazon. So yeah, they're all out there. Was it hard to do the audible version? The audible version was interesting because the first, I don't know, three or four chapters of the book, I'm telling my story, but I wasn't conscious of it. I was too young. So I tell the story about the cross birding. Right. I don't remember that. That was 
it was a story right. that was told to me by my parents. Sure. So doing the audible version, sure. the chapters that I don't, where I'm talking about what I don't remember were very hard. Once I got into my memory, man, it just, it flowed. Did it? Yeah. Did you just basically read the book or? Yeah, and that was it, just going into a studio and reading the book. Yeah. But I could tell almost to the chapter where I'm in it yeah. because my voice kind of changes. Just how I'm how involved I'm in it yeah. changes. And that's only because I'm more, you know, interactive in, in the parts that I remember. Was the experience of doing this book kind of cathartic for you? I mean, was it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, it's been great to like I said, tell a story and then go back and say, okay, so how did that impact you as a person of color? Right. And then I've been able to go out and speak all over and then people ask me questions and it forces me to think about, you know, why did I do that or how I saw certain things. Yeah, that's been, it's, I always joke and say, man, I get paid for free therapy. stuff out. So, so, uh, like, what type of places do you go to speak at? Well, this is not a very well phrased question, but yeah. So I've spoken, you know, actually through New York to California, all across oh, the country. Oh yeah, I spoke at you know since I was adopted. I'll speak to foster and adoptive parents. Uh, I'll speak to organizations uh, on diversity and belonging. Uh-huh. I speak to schools and universities on diversity and belonging. Uh-huh. It's a wide range that I speak to. Uh-huh. Good, good, good. Okay, well, it's been great talking to you. Do you have anything else you'd like to add uh, to this conversation? Yeah, I think last year when we were all hunkered down and in our own little bunkers and that video of George Floyd came out, right. more people than usual had to sit and watch that. Yeah. And I think that will cause change. We will look back at that incident and that the year of the pandemic, and we will see that that finally moved the needle as far as the talk on race and racism in this country. Uh, I've never seen, we've gone through this so many times where, you know, a police officer kills a person of color and the police chiefs come out and they say, we can't say anything because we're still investigating and they give nothing. Right. Last year was totally different. I saw police chiefs come out and they, they disavowed George, the, the show, the police officer. Right. I've never seen that. Mayors came out and said yeah. what he did was wrong. Yeah. Never have I seen that. To me, that gives me hope that we are finally going to move this needle in a positive direction and change and make lasting change in this country when it comes to race. We thank Kevin Hoffman for sharing his story with us today. Once again, the name of his book is Growing Up Black in White, and you can find both the printed and audio versions on Amazon. Now we need to take a pause here for a quick message, but don't go away. I'll be right back with some closing comments. Hey, thanks guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you'll come back on a regular basis. Longtime listeners know that we provide narrations of commentary, 
published almost every day on notfakenews.biz. But now we're also including newsmaker interviews, and we're going beyond the world of politics for those, presenting guests and topics that I hope you find interesting and enlightening. Like this one, about the need to overcome divisions in our society with Kevin D. Hoffman. So that's just another reason for you to follow NFN Radio News so you don't miss an episode. You never know who'll be showing up. Check out notfakenews.biz, too, where you'll find new material just about every day by some excellent writers with perspectives on a whole range of topics. You can sign up as a member at notfakenews.biz. And, of course, it's all free. And let your friends know about this podcast and about notfakenews.biz. Our goal is to be informative and entertaining as we comment on the latest developments in the news, with just a little lead to the left. Now this is Bob Gaddy signing off for NFN Radio News and Not Fake News. Not news.